You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. This is a podcast hosted by Louis Fox, the ever hilarious comedy magician. That's me. And then we have the other guy talking. We have the amazing Matt Baker, who does a comedy stunt show. You can catch us both at the Moisture Festival this year and previous years and hopefully future years. Yes, absolutely. If you're new to what is happening on this podcast or the festival in general, welcome. Congratulations on being awesome for stumbling upon us. Yes, and you have awesome hair today yes you look <laughs> you look amazing the moisture festival is a four-week festival celebrating variety arts in the fremont neighborhood of seattle it is the largest festival of its kind in the world and features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today the festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, the Moisture Festival also hosts a week of burlesque shows. And speaking of burlesque, on this episode, we have one of the producers of the week-long burlesque shows. Producer, performer, interdisciplinary artist. Yes, we have the Luminous Pariah, which is probably the coolest name so far I know. of all the acts that we've had. Do you think had. when they were born, their mom wasn't like, Hey, you know what? <laughs> Birth certificate, first name, the <laughs> middle name, Luminous, last name, Pariah. We have Lumi in studio, and Lumi talks about what it was like growing up in Alaska and performing burlesque in their hometown for the very first time. Yep, as well as the challenges of traveling as a burlesque artist. Absolutely. So if you love burlesque, if you love the Moisture Festival, you are going to love this interview with Lumi. Yep, and if, if you're listening to this during the festival, get tickets now. Most shows sell out. Yeah. You can get those at moisturefestival.org. Let's do it. We are very excited to have someone here in the studio, an interdisciplinary cabaret performance artist, part of the acclaimed burlesque collective Mod Carousel, a co-producer of the Burlesque Week in the Moisture Festival. We have the Luminous Pariah. Hello. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. Thanks for coming. This is awesome. Yeah. Interdisciplinary means you get in trouble in all the different styles <laughs> of cabaret performing. Exactly. And then one must be disciplined. Ah. <laughs> I've been watching a bunch of videos, so it's cool and interesting to see you with clothes on. Ah, right. Yes. It's a unique state <laughs> do you for get, me. Do it's you different. have people say that to you a lot um, who are fans of yours? I get the, I didn't recognize you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you do look a little bit different. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Totally. My character, Luminous Praia has uh, big eyelashes, uh, lipstick, lots of makeup, but then you might see me in an officer cap or a top hat, combat boots, coat and tails. Yeah. I, like to, I like to mix it up. Yeah, yeah I just watched guessing. the Nine Inch Nails one you have with the skull, mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah, cool, like, you know, feathers and right, yeah, it's with, beautiful. With the brass yeah. and the kind of neo tribal sort of a vibe. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, okay, so how do you describe what you do to someone that 
doesn't know. I would say that I am a burlesque performer by trade. And burlesque, it uh, the word itself means to parody. So, mm-hmm. you know, we make fun of things. We make fun of politics. We make fun of gender. We make fun of everyday things. Um, and we do so through dance, uh, performance art, um, physical theater. So I would say that I'm a burlesque performer who uses a lot of comedy in my nonverbal storytelling. And uh, when I enter the stage, I establish a character and I sort of set up a little... Uh, a miniature narrative that takes place in three and a half to four minutes and some magic happens. Sometimes clothing might come off and reveal other layers to the story and myself underneath. And at the end, I'm wearing less and you kind of uh, have this this button or icing on the cake, cherry on the top, if you will, of uh, what has happened at the end of the story. You're wearing less and we're I'm learning more. And you're learning more. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I do. We're so involved in your character. We want to see you with no clothes on. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I feel like one of the things that's kind of fun for people is when they go to a burlesque show sometimes they're a little nervous about what how much clothing is going yeah, to be removed and what that course. means you know how what how erotic is this going to be and more often than not people are very surprised at how entertaining and yeah. how it's strange to say but how wholesome it can be absolutely you know? the first i guess boilers that because you didn't call it boylesque but that's what i've always heard it called yeah, as yeah. Uh, was Paris original uh, yes. I saw and it was the first time and I was like this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, so w- if you if you divide you know if you if you did want to say there's burlesque and there's boylesque you could say that the bur- the boylesque portion which I am a part of is kind of like the the male identifying or the male performer or the male um, persona version of burlesque which is the same but almost we're, we're more free to do really whatever we want yeah. right? our character Characters are typically more gender bent, kind of like uh, Paris and myself are are very, you know, we do have the the, the glamorous sort of showgirl makeup, but then you have a very masculine body behind it, mm-hmm. kind of mixed with uh, with other things. And to us, it's a it's a fun way of of expressing gender in an in a non traditional non binary yeah, absolutely. way. Yeah. Now, how did you get into this in, into it? I uh, I was studying, I was going for my prerequisites at a community college, and I was planning on being an environmental educator. And I burnt myself out working as a barista full time. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take this spring quarter off of school and summer quarter off. And then I'll, I'll go back to Alaska. And I, I was a working, um, I was a whale watching tour guide oh, on, wow. in Southeast Alaska. Ah, and so, you know, I had a knack for relaying information, synthesizing things in a way that people could connect with. Had a theater background and, dan- and a dance background, but I thought that those would be used for simply environmental education. So I took this. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the whales. Exactly. They are breaching. But I, you know, they if you think of uh, <laughs> right, 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 costume, elaborate costuming. Um, actually, I did have some plans like that. Yeah, yeah that'd be amazing. I would take that uh, over a regular whale stellar watching. sea lion impression. I was very good at. So um, I took this spring quarter off, and I was walking by um, Bayland on Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a high end sex store. Yeah. They it was it was Capitol Hill Art Walk on a Thursday, and they had tarps up on the windows. And I thought, okay, I, I just have to know, though. I really need to know why <laughs> so tarps Whatever are is they, going on, I'm are interested. They, are they just renovating? <laughs> right. It didn't look like renovation. I want to be involved. I need to know. So I went in, and it turned out it was a food-themed burlesque show. Cool. And it was some of our local Seattle performers, some of which are not performing anymore, a couple who have moved away, and some are still the stars of our scene. But they they each performer had, you know, about three or five minutes to do an act that had somehow had food involved. And that's why mm-hmm. the tarps because it got very messy. Uh And I was absolutely blown away. I had never seen 
sexuality presented in a way that wasn't really horrible and dirty and taboo and mm. made you feel like you shouldn't be watching it. It was such a blast. So from there, I started going to see as many burlesque shows as I could. And I didn't really see myself doing it yet. It was all very kind of traditional, you know, beaded um uh, even though there was some neo-burlesque, it was pretty clear that it was only women. At least that's what nah. I thought. The, the only people who were invited to or who would be celebrated doing this. And then I went. I started to go see shows at the Can Can in Pikes Market. Mm-hmm. And um, one of a friend of mine now, Ben de la Creme, a drag queen, was sort of like a gender bent MC for a group called the Can Can Castaways. And they're no longer together, but they were such an amazing group of people of all different disciplines, and they kind of used modern dance as a way to uh, bring bring cabaret to uh, people underneath the sidewalk on First and Pike. And it was so amazing. There was a performer named Ultra who was kind of like the clockwork orange side mm, of the face yeah, and the yeah, shaved yeah. head. And they had this body that was kind of like, like a Grecian statue, you know, like this warrior. But they were also fairly gender bent. Like they did have big eyelashes and they would wear skirts and stuff. And I thought that was so interesting to see someone present like that on stage. I had never seen that before. And at the end of their first number, the crowd lost their minds. They just went wild and they stood up and they were cheering. And I thought, wait a minute, if they're, if they can get on stage and do that, I'll bet that I could get on stage and present however I wanted Mm. and people might actually enjoy it. And that was the beginning, the beginning of the Luminous (laughs) Pariah. So I want to go back because watching your videos, you obviously have a dance background. Right. And where, where did all that come from? Like, where did you dance as a kid or? I did dance as a, as a kid. I, I started in a, a fine arts camp when I was eight years old and I performed a dance to the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. <laughs> Are you going to nice. bring that back? Test. Nice. You might. I, yes. uh, you know, Mod Carousel actually did put a portion of Mortal Kombat in our Did you our have a fatality number. move? We did, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Except we're little bow sheep, we're little bow peep and the three sheep. Okay. So <laughs> You ripped some chops out. Yes. Uh-huh, yep. She's shearing the sheep and we're battling her. Uh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, I started dancing when I was a kid and I thought right away, well, I'm going to be a professional dancer when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And then um, that transitioned to theater. It was kind of a natural switch over. And I thought, okay, well, then I'll be a professional actor. I'll move to New York or I'll move to California. And I auditioned for all uh, three schools, one here, one in California, and one in New York. And I got into all of them. But when I visited the campuses, the school that I connected with happened to be in Seattle. So I stayed here. I didn't finish that. I only went for a year um, until I decided to to do other things. But it was a great background for burlesque. Now, um, are you from Alaska? I'm from Alaska. Okay. Yeah. So my first burlesque number is autobiographical. I'm a fisherman and I go fishing. I'm wearing plaid and these muddy pants and those, you know, extra tough rubber boots yeah. and I catch a fish with my bare hands and then I beat the fish and I tear it apart and inside is a high heel. Ah, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, that is autobiographical. Yeah. <laughs> and where in Alaska did you grow up? I'm from Juneau, which is in southeast. Oh yeah, Alaska. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I work on cruise ships, so oh, I'm me. in Juneau quite a bit. Great. Yeah. yeah, I would imagine the burlesque. There, does that is this exist in Alaska? You is there know, in Anchorage. In Anchorage, there was a scene that started, I think, around 2004, 2005. Uh, so lo- some lovely friends of mine have started that, and then in Juneau, um, it's strange to say now, but. Having performed for 11 years in the burlesque world, I 
kind of started the burlesque scene there. There were a couple of shows that happened before me, uh, but they never really turned into a regular thing. And then my group, Mod Carousel, started producing shows 10 years ago. And we're about to go up for our 11th show this That's year. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what is Mod Carousel? Let's Mod start there. Mod Carousel is f- four people. And uh, three of us, so two of them are brothers, and two of us are partners. So it's kind of like a little family dynamic there. And um, I met Paris Original. Paris Original is a dancer, and he invited me to a show he was doing at The Moor, which is a beautiful theater in downtown Seattle. I invited him to my show. It was at Rebar, which is not necessarily described <laughs> as a beautiful a bit theater. Different. Yeah. I would call Rebar a, a dive bar that smells like pine salt and, and serves cheap That has a, has a nice stage. It yeah. has a great stage yeah, yeah. and lovely staff. And it's a it's a great community thing. Yeah. So we're there, and um, he said, you know, I really find it inspiring what you do because in ballet the men are sort of forced to do a very limited set of things. You have to do specific jumps and specific tricks, and you always have to lift the ladies. And he said, well, I kind of want to wear the tutu and the point shoes, and I, I wish that I could express myself in that way. And I said, you know, in the burlesque world, you can do whatever you want, and I think you should do it. So he sort of got in, involved in burlesque through ex- wanting to express himself. Uh, through dance in a different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And then his brother, Trojan Original, um, decided that that might be fun in his own way if we all came in and auditioned for Burlesque Macbeth. <laughs> yeah. So we were we were our own version of the three sisters, the three witches, right? Uh-huh. And we wore these bizarre leather masks and we did an acrobalance number to Bjork. Naturally. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that I was remember the... that Bjork piece in Macbeth. Yeah. <laughs> How could you forget? <laughs> I wrote, so, uh, wrote my high school <laughs> report on that. <laughs> uh, that was the beginning of us, you know. And yeah. then I, I was, I, I was continuing to go back to Alaska during the summers, and I thought, well, what if we brought our group up there? I wonder how they would respond. So we did, and it we hired two ladies to come with us to be part of the group, and it went so well, so well. Standing ovation, oversold, just packed the place. So well, imagine they're craving something like that up there, you yeah. know, something a little bit different that you know gives them some cultural exactly you know. something sparkly fresh yeah. yeah so that was that and then Moscato joined us five years later and has been with us for half of our existence time now and Moscato is such a breath of fresh air yeah. and an amazing performer so it's been it's actually been inspiring to have Moscato on board and I think that Moscato has been the glue that's held us together yeah. you know the Mod Carousel they, you tour all over the United States and all over the world we do yeah, yeah we've been to Australia together we've, been, we've had um, several runs of shows in London together um, and it's been really cool to travel together and see how we all work under pressure, you know? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's true. It's a different beast traveling yeah. with the people you work exactly. with. Exactly. Nine to 17 yeah. hour time differences yeah. will do things to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> traveling, we both, I mean, are, are asked to travel, but we have like a prop case. Uh, do you have like a costume case we do have a lot of I mean, costume are, are you a yeah. fly on act can you <laughs> we try to keep our props limited because as you know when you travel the more moving pieces you have to enact the the more technical and the more things you have that can go wrong yeah. so we keep our physical pieces to a limit but we do have a lot of costuming yeah. so personally i stick to um stretchy sparkly things uh, that i can wad up yeah I don't oh, totally. to worry yeah. about ironing don't them, 20 costumes them. five pounds yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> can i cram them in 
in the hat? Great. <laughs> I pack a suit and a pair of shoes, and I'm super annoyed. Uh, right. <laughs> We're a little different. Um, I, I once did a solo tour where I just told the producers I'd do whatever they want, wanted me to do. I gave them a list of all the acts that I had in my repertoire, and that was a terrible idea because I was in 13 cities uh, in nine countries, and I was doing nine numbers. So, uh, Sorry, six numbers with nine pairs of shoes. Oh, so geez. I had these three suitcases and then one hand suitcase and a backpack, and it was an absolute nightmare. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I completed that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm curious. I feel like burlesque has sort of exploded in the last you know, 10, 12 years. How have you seen it develop or catch on in different places around the world? How is it viewed in the United States and how is it viewed other places? And then is it growing other places like it's growing here? What I've noticed is it seems that the late 90s in the slipper room in New York City with Tigger and Dirty Martini and Scotty the Blue Bunny, um, that's sort of where the United States burlesque resurgence kind of started to happen Mm -hmm. just out of the idea of performance art. Um, And actually, you know, Trixie and Monkey who had been to the Moisture Festival... Those those people too. They um they just needed a place where they could do weird stuff on stage and have fun, and they would mix circus arts into that, you know. And then here, Miss Indigo Blues Academy of Burlesque. I think I think Indigo started in. 2002, 2004, somewhere mm-hmm. around there in Seattle. That caught on pretty quickly here. And then um, San Francisco happened and the School of Burlesque in New York. It's really these schools of burlesque where people decided that this is an art form that's very empowering and it's really fun. And if you take a burlesque course, it doesn't mean you want to become a performer or you want to make it into a career. It's just a great way to explore and express yourself. Yeah. So I think that that's been really wonderful because it's created this huge community of people who enjoy being involved in one aspect or another. And it's also enlightened people who are performers or who didn't know they were performers yet who decided to become performers and make Mm -hmm. it into more of a career or or more of something that um, allows them to travel and and express themselves all around the world. I found from a while ago that you taught a workshop on expressing yourself called Fierce Flirting. Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) That was really fun. A flirtation workshop. I I think I'm an expert. Uh, I really am. I've flirted (laughs) around 18 countries. (laughs) And I'm excellent at it. I flirted in 37 different languages. <laughs> so, oh, what is fierce flirting? So that was a workshop. It was uh, it was like an hour workshop that I taught for Babeland, actually. Okay. Fuchsia Fox was doing their marketing at one point, and she wanted to bring people in uh, through a series of workshops on different things um, that people are excellent at. So, of course, burlesque performers are excellent at flirting. It can be done with a wink or a little Mona Lisa smile, a little eye contact. And so um, she brought that in as a fun way to kind of get more people into the store. But also talk about, you know, consent and ways to flirt that don't make things terrible for everybody involved. Ah. (laughs) Well, I love about burlesque is that, you know, for us, we perform by ourselves almost exclusively. And so with burlesque shows, it seems like there is a community. You have multiple performers on a bill. How much of it is just like I need people who are like me that identify with the things that I'm interested in? And is, how much of it is people gravitate towards it for that reason? Because there is a built-in community. There really is a built-in community. And I think when I when I first started, that's really what drew me to the community. Um, that's where my name comes from, the luminous pariah. You know, this idea, pariah meaning social outcast, uh, meaning that I've never really felt like I've fit in f- uh, 100% into a group, be it dance or Boy Scouts or um, go-go dancing. I was a go-go dancer <laughs> in my younger years. And it was, it was always a good time, but I never really felt like I was fully understood. And the burlesque community, 
community being such a broad spectrum of people who are all just open to and saying, yes, please come join us and let's all have a good time together has has been what has drawn me to it. And yeah. I see that uh, in other people, too. Uh, people love to be invo- involved because in the, the burlesque community, I've always felt super, super welcome. And I see that in other people as well. They're drawn to that because it's a really good time and everyone's very respectful and it's a fun way to express yourself. And I see that, too, when I travel and it's um, you can email someone 5,000 miles away and say, hey, I have a show on this date. Can I stay with you? And more often than not, they say yes. Or, yeah. you know what, my apartment's a little bit small, but I have a friend who you can also stay with, Who and this is their performer name and their social media or link. it's still small enough that you can have those, or it's just so trusting of a community. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And it's been, by and large, pretty great. Yeah. I think it self-vets itself, too. Right. You know, when you're, your buddy's not going to vouch for so- a couch for you to sleep on. Right. That- it's super sketchy. Exactly. I yeah. mean, he sent me some weird couches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I played hacky sack professionally when I was younger and I toured the country and the hacky sack community is so small. It's very similar where it's like you can just call someone you've never met before and they're like, yes, come and crash with me for however long, you know, just as, just because the community is so small, people can vouch for you. Right. It's you a know, very cool The thing. three separations of Kevin Bacon, the uh-huh. hacky sack, you know. <laughs> Now, have you ever been somewhere where they're like, you know, you got to do it in hush hush circumstances or for the most part, I've had really good receptions, although I have had a couple of awkward experiences being received in different ways. Um, One of them was really fascinating. It was in Budapest, Hungary, and I was only traveling through. I was visiting on my way from uh, Barcelona and I met someone there who said, you know what? You're here for a few more days. I had a a bus line that got canceled, so I was going to have to take a train four days later. And um, she said, how about you headline a show? show this weekend and I said what show and she said well make one so (laughs) she made this show for me and she you know convinced this this nightclub to make me a headliner and I sent them my my pictures and website and they put together this whole thing and it was a blast but I do have to say that I was wearing this pretty revealing you know how burlesque performers are I was wearing this fairly revealing outfit after the show and People were just looking at me like they they could not believe what I was wearing. They weren't upset. They were just aghast. There were a lot of open mouths mm-hmm. and big eyes. And when I asked my friend about this, she said, "Well, you know, Budapest, uh, Budapest, Hungary is mm-hmm. is kind of it's 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 Eastern. It's Eastern yeah. Europe, and they're used to being a lot more um, closed with mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And they appreciate you as a breath of fresh air, but they're not used to that. Yeah. Uh... So that was an interesting thing. You know, it felt a little bit like a good time. It also felt a little bit like social work in the sense that I was going way outside." of everyone's comfort zone, right? Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. It was super fun. I just didn't want to get in trouble. But it was great. I just imagine in my mind, you know, you performing in Juno for that first show and some lumberjack in the back with a big beard and flannel smoking me like, you're cool with me. Right. You know, <laughs> right. Like, That's exactly what that was. I was so nervous. I, I was imagine, very nervous. Geez. <laughs> I imagine also doing something uh, that for people that you know, for the, the yes. first time seeing, maybe seeing you perform in that way. Uh-huh. That's been actually a really interesting thing to get used to is looking out in my hometown, looking out at the crowd. There's one elementary school teacher. There's <laughs> another one. There's, you know, my first crush. There's my oh, wow. pastor from elementary. You know, it's, yeah. it's oh, very, totally. a lot of... So I've had to learn how to make eye contact, but then still process that and then keep in character and, yeah. and continue the show. What was some of their responses to when they, when they 
saw you for the first time do what you do? There's a lot of looks of um, fear. You know, I think people are afraid that I'm going to do something that puts them outside of their comfort zone, mm. but I almost never do yeah. in, a, in, in a bad way. I think there, uh, there have been some people that are afraid I'm going to do something too lewd, uh, you know, or too erotic. And time and time again, they say, your art is amazing. And they use the word art. And that's really great. Yeah, that's well, great. Watching your videos earlier, it's not, yeah, you're, there's nothing lewd about what you do. It's very much fun. You do a classy that. twerk. Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So we're, we're watching the video. He goes, what do you call that? And I go, twerking. And he puts that in his notes. <laughs> the classy twerk. <laughs> I didn't write classy twerk. I just wrote twerking because I forgot what it was called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what we do for art. You know, and then being received in different places. So I have a number that I don't do very often because it's not funny. It's not a comedy number. It's a performance art piece. It's still burlesque. There's still the removal of clothing, um, but I, I dress up as a Ku Klux Klansman, and I enter the stage with a can of gasoline and a noose, and then it only gets more uncomfortable from there. Uh. And I've been told that it's a really beautiful number, and it's very moving, and I do, you know, I, I appreciate that, and I, I do recognize that it's a, a very intense statement that I'm making, and I stand by that. However, I was asked to do that in a show in London. And um, to not to give too many spoilers, but there's also a pasty that's a swastika, mm. uh, right? And I perform to this soundtrack that's a combination of Martin Luther King and Hitler and several other white supremacists and people um, marching for freedom. And what's really interesting is that in the United States, that iconography of the, the pointed hood is just seared into all of our brains. Yeah. Instantly, you know what that means. And we, we have this big backlog of yeah. information to draw on. But in Europe, you know, the Spanish, um, when they would, when, when the Catholics would do the Easter celebration where they would... Um, what's it called, when Jesus was crucified, right? There was this reenactment the, of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Spaniards um, had this this sort of uniform that they would wear for the Romans who were doing the crucif- crucifixion because no one wanted to be seen, even though if it was a reenactment, uh, no one wanted to be seen as the people who were crucifying like Jesus. Like the guy in the Unsolved Mysteries who people think is yeah. the actual perpetrator. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, I saw that guy last week. <laughs> or did you? So this is why, you know, in Europe, that pointy robe outfit isn't immediately evocative of um, the Ku Klux Klan. And so that kind of failed. However, that swastika pasty that I'm wearing um, inside of the piece where I'm hiling Hitler, that is very offensive mm. to anybody with in, in Europe. And yeah. I, I understand I think to a level that I was offending people. But what I didn't understand is that it was a different type of offense. Mm. It wasn't a call to action that is here in the United States. It was more of like, how could you do that? You know, oh, why would you choose to do that? And that was well, I, really interesting for me to accidentally. Absolutely. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine too, if they're not on board with the first part, or they don't understand the first part, you all of a sudden there's this, like, oh, what? He's just a guy doing a Catholic reenact? What? Uh-huh, right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's right. interesting that here in the United States, I would imagine the Ku Klux Klan outfit would be much more sort of severe of a mm-hmm. response as opposed to the swastika. Exactly. But in Europe, it's, it's like, the other yeah, way it's, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. You like get to the point of the swastika and you're like, this is a point that doesn't play well at all. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it's, it's crazy. Right. How important is it for you to add a little bit of social commentary 
to to what you do. I think that it's really important for me personally. I I, I love being an entertainer. I do think think that that is um, something that we need, especially in this day and age where things in real life can be really heavy. So entertainers, you know, in the entertainment industry, we we lift you up, we make you laugh, we make you forget about the problems in the world. But I also think that it can be fun often to include a little message, not to you know bash someone over the head with a statement, but it can be great to include a little message if if possible. Yeah, without, the Ku Klux you know. Klan swastika, very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> I mean, you know, that's... I, 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 when I saw it, I was googling. Yes. Uh, I was like, "What is the pointy hat?" Right? What is pointy hat? So I, I, uh, I don't do that very often, yeah. just because yeah. it's so heavy. Yeah. But you know, I'll, I, I do think that even um, having my combat boots and the officer cap and the eyelashes and lipstick combination is, in and of itself, a little social commentary mm-hmm. that is also just a fun thing, you know? Yeah, but do you think it's as an artist? It's a, it is important to have all to it's your responsibility to have some sort of social message. I do think that as an artist, if you identify as an artist, it is it is a responsibility to to kind of synthesize the world around you and relay it in a way in a in in your way to give people your point of view of what's happening in the world and also maybe provide a couple of ideas of possible solutions to problems that we bring up. And I think it's interesting in the burlesque and cabaret world is that we straddle this line where you have artists and you have entertainers and you have artists who entertain. Mm-hmm. And that's a little tricky because sometimes, you know, I find myself maybe in a show halfway across the world that's just pure entertainment the whole night. It's just mm-hmm. a dinner theater. It's we're not asking you to go out and vote a certain way. We're not asking you to make huge changes in your life. We're asking you to laugh, tip your bartenders, and go home yeah, happy, yeah. right? But on the other aspect, you have um, you have all of these things that we have issues in the world. Or we have things that we can also ask people to celebrate, right? And we can do that through, through combining the idea of art and entertainment. And the way that I feel personally is I feel like I toggle back and forth. I do want to pay my bills and I do want to do <laughs> you know some of, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. some of those dinner theater <laughs> yeah. shows. However, I also um, think that I I can be clever enough at um, curating my art in a way that that makes sense as entertainment. Yeah. That can be both. That can be yeah, both. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm learning through this podcast is I got to step it up. You got to step it up. <laughs> I got to step it up. <laughs> I've got my two two jokes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll get it to four in the next couple months. So how did you come to co-produce the burlesque portion of the moisture festival and tell us you know what that has been uh what that looks like for you on a regular basis phone call or do you decide who comes or the uh, way that has come about for me has been really fun um the moisture festival has been the burlesque portion of the moisture festival has been one of the most amazing productions um i've seen you know especially as a performer who was new to the scene i saw i just remember sitting in act theater and the lights went down and we were all, you know, that effervescent feeling in the theater was there and the lights came back up and there was one aerialist in a red outfit coming down a rope with a black bob and a cigarette. And then another light comes up and there's another aerialist and another light comes up and there's another, there were 10 aerialists and there were five ropes and they were each doing a duet number and they were all dressed the same. And it was so cool. It was such an amazing show that I decided, okay, I have to at least see every Moisture Festival production. I can. So I did. I was kind of a groupie for a while. And then I thought, wait a minute, 
what if I applied and what if I got in? So I applied and, you know, I didn't get in at first because mm-hmm. I'm still polishing my, my work. And then I applied again. I didn't get in. I'm still working on it. Right. And finally, I got into the Moisture Festival and I started performing um, regularly in the Moisture Festival and becoming friends. And I've worked with um, Kayla Bailey a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. because I've worked with Kayla Bailey a lot, I started to meet her parents who would come to shows that mm. Kayla was involved in. And and um they they said, you know, you are such an amazing performer. We really appreciate your work in the Moisture Festival, you know. And then one one year, I guess it was this last winter I, or fall, I got a message from, I believe it was the whole group. They said, we really appreciate your work as a performer. And we think that as a producer, you have talent. You've produced shows around the world and you produce them all the time with your group, Mod Carousel. I think that it'd be great to have your eye on this year's production. If you like it, you can stay on board as a co-producer. And so far, it's been absolutely wonderful it's been a really great time um, everyone's very organized and very proficient and uh, efficient which has been yeah. great yeah. <laughs> so i hope to stay on board as a co-producer of so the burlesque portion what what are the, some of the big challenges as a producer some of the big challenges as a producer are um getting performers to respond to you <laughs> yes <laughs> as you know we have we're juggling sometimes yeah. literally a million yeah. things and so it can be hard to remember like oh that's right i have to send in this certain piece of information and you put it down on the totem pole of of fires to put out right mm-hmm. so that's the the um it's the word the logistics can be difficult but also there are so many amazing performers in the world when you get all these applications in and we watch all these videos some of them you can tell you know oh this person needs a little bit of polish before yeah. we have mm. them on our stage but others are just so amazing and at the end of the cutoff we have all of these um, amazing performers how do you decide who gets in you know and how who performs in what show on what night yeah. how do we make the most dynamic interesting show and we try to think too if you're a seasoned veteran if you're a burlesque viewing veteran versus someone who's seeing burlesque for the first time how do you make that show interesting and exciting for both of those people how many applications for the burlesque do you think that you get that's a really good question i couldn't i couldn't tell you because we have you know the general applications that that uh, are on the moisture festival website Mm -hmm. that are accessible anytime and then we have personal invitations where we we actually go out in our own personal contact book and say, hey, I'm a co-producer and I would love for you to submit some, yeah. some numbers invite to someone festival. You know. Yeah, invite oh. people. And then, of course, we uh, we do the same thing with our local performers who have been in the festival before yeah. or, or national or international performers who've been at the festival before who we've really enjoyed and we want them to come back. So I couldn't give you an exact number. How many are in the actual festival I burlesque, think burle- the burlesque portion it of it? It changes year to year, but I think we have... I want to say, that's a really good question. I'd have to look at our Google Doc. I believe 30-ish, yeah. something like that. Yeah, around yeah. 30. Do you, If you get a submission, a video, and you're like, it's almost there, do you let them know that or you just form letter them back? We ju- we choose just to, to send a letter that says, sorry, we are not choosing mm-hmm. to have you in the festival this year. And I think the reason behind that is once you start opening that can of worms oh, yeah. of, of totally. giving people feedback, then you also get into this this sort of gray area of what is personal preference and yeah. what is their own artistic expression totally. being yeah, yeah. viewed as... Um, as something other than that, you know? Yeah. So it's, it can be easier just to say, not this time, maybe next time. And then hopefully those, those people do apply again. Absolutely. Maybe they polish that number or they apply with a different number, you know? If they didn't quit because they didn't get into the Moisture Festival. <laughs> right. <laughs> crush their soul. <laughs> just crushing dreams. <laughs> the power, that's why I'm here. <laughs> now, besides, I mean, 
you know, performing and producing. It looks like you've been in a couple of uh, like movies and yeah, yeah, got yeah. the IMDb page. I, that surprised me when I googled myself the first time. <laughs> there's um there's a couple of films that I've been in. It's been really fun. There's a, a local director, Wes Hurley, who's actually just on uh, an article this week put out by the BBC. Oh, cool. Because of his his specific immigrant story from Russia is really fascinating, and he has um he's done several short films, and I've been a part of that. I've been a part of one of the documentaries that he's done on. Uh, the local beloved Waxy Moon. Yeah. That was really, really neat. I was in a film that he did that won several awards and traveled around the world, which was kind of kind of a funny experience for me because I was fully naked in this film. And um, it makes sense in the film, but if you hear that, you're kind of like, wait, I'm sorry, what, what's going on? What <laughs> well, kind you of just film got is this? two more viewers for the future viewers. <laughs> what's the and, minute uh, mark? Yes. <laughs> right, exactly. The funny thing about that is um, I, I knew it was going to be local, but what I didn't know is that if he won, it was sort of a competition, and if he won, it would travel nationally. And then if that was like, it would be shown all around the world. And so that film has been shown all around the world and I get people walking up to me and they give me this kind of smug look. I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> say, I think I've seen you in a film. Oh, <laughs> like, and you know oh. exactly what film. Like, I can tell by your eyes. Right, right. And, uh, but this latest film, it was, so with, with that sort of growing reputation, Wes was able to gather funding to make an entire feature length production and it's really exciting he's he's he has some big names in the film oh, and cool. he has some local folks are you gonna be in that one too I am yeah Sweet. I filmed That's that back in October with him and I, I believe they just wrapped up shooting last week Sweet. so that should be out within the next year I believe Can, are we allowed to say the way. name of it or it's called it... Potato Dreams of America alright yeah. cool so look for that yeah. folks and then you were also on a TV show called Capitol Hill? That was another Wes Hurley production. Yeah, that was a web series, Capitol Hill series. It's super fun. It's just way over the top. It's very <laughs> melodramatic. It's really, really fun. And it that's just that characters time. of Capitol Hill, or is it burlesque it, specific? Or It looks like you played a superhero? I I played several things during that series. Okay. Yeah, and what that series is, how do I explain that? That one's a very bizarre thing to explain. It's, it's sort of... Um, a burlesque of Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. So a lot of burlesque performers are in it just because we're here, we're part of this community, but um, we're also people who are comfortable on camera and on stage, you know? Mm-hmm. So he includes a lot of perform- local performers in his shows. But um, Capitol Hill series is kind of like a an exaggeration of what Capitol Hill was and is. Okay. Yeah, and you can still find that online if you look for it. Well, that's exciting. Well, we don't want to take up all your time, but can you tell the people where they can find you? You have a Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, it's all the Luminous Pariah. Yeah, as a visual person, I would say check out my Instagram. Mm. Instagram, you know, the Luminous Pariah, or just, I believe my handle is at Luminous Pariah. Okay. And you can see what I'm up to, upcoming shows. Um, I always have uh, upcoming shows, um, at least in the Pacific Northwest, if not around the U.S. and around the globe. And we can uh, go uh, donate to your GoFundMe for the uh, burlesque... (laughs) A fishing tour guide. <laughs> oh, exactly. I would, yeah, right, absolutely. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing um, a feline uh, production called Titties for Kitties very soon. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I would, <laughs> I donate to that idea. Too, yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in and taking the time this morning to talk to us about what's going on in your life and what brought you to the Moisture Festival. I appreciate the invite. Thanks yeah, for having awesome. me. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Hey folks, want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Real quick, the Moisture Festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do that by relying on individual donations. You can donate financially or volunteer. To get more information, go to themoisturefestival.org and click on the Contribute button. You'll get all the deets there. Absolutely. And if you want to just follow the Moisture Festival, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can just go loiter outside of the Palladium <laughs> at Hales Ale. That's a way that you can follow them. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we also do a podcast on our own called the Odd and Off Beat Podcast. That's where we talk about strange news stories of the day. You can hear us chat about all things weird. Absolutely. You can do that at oddandoffbeat.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find out about us individually, where we're performing at, you can find Louie at louiefox.com and that's with two X's. And Matt's at comedystuntshow.com. That's spelt regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to thank you so much for listening, so much for your time, and we hope to see you at the Moisture Festival soon. Be well. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast, and stay moist.